Raelle Tanti and Braden Dollar Coltman. We are back after an extensively long, that's not the right word, after an extenuated break. Uh, it's been a few weeks. We've been busy. It's been that time of year, but we are back and ready to talk sports. Um, before we do, really quickly, I, I wanted to know if either of you caught this. Uh, before we started recording, we were sharing anecdotes a little bit about like um, uh, technical difficulties in some of the shows Braden's been doing. Um, but I have I, I, I saw a technical difficulty on a broadcast this weekend that I had never seen before. I'm curious if you've seen this. You know, like the red zone for the NFL where they have like the, the one channel dedicated where they kind of they pop you between different games. So you're catching all of the big plays, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the red zone is on and that's broadcast from a, from a, an ESPN studio in Los Angeles. That's where their, their studio crew is live. And they cut back from whatever game. I think they were, they must've been at like the, maybe it was the Bills game or some game they were covering. Uh, and they cut back to the studio and the host apologizes. He's like, well, I'm really, really sorry. This has never happened to us before, but there's a fire alarm going off in the studio. We've been asked to evacuate. So we're going to leave you with, with whichever oh game God. this is. And we won't be able to cut between games until that we're able to re- like return to our position. So we apologize <laughs> for those who were hoping to see highlights of whatever game was the other option or whatever. But I just thought like, that's the only studio show where you couldn't seamlessly just sort of, flip it into autopilot because usually the studio whatever like when you're in the game no one cares but that studio show is like literally designed to be you gotta anyway so i don't know i there's clearly neither of you saw that i did not see that but there's gotta be there's gotta be games where an alarm will go off in the arena or something like that yeah for sure entire stadium do you remember remember we watched uh i feel like it was an oiler game against like ottawa like yeah, the lights, ago the lights, where the lights didn't come back on after the anthem, right? They couldn't get the lights on or something, yeah, so then they yeah. had to delay the start of the game. I mean, we've seen like Zambonis break down, and obviously like you know, rain delays in baseball. But yeah, it definitely was a new one for the studio side, and I'm sure that there was a lot of uh, hand wringing in Bristol, Connecticut, about the, how they were going to fix the red zone because uh, you can't really just like manually do anything when you're out of the building. Anyway. Funny one for you. Hopefully we don't have any technical difficulties here on today's show. Uh, Nope, we're recording. We should be good. All right, let's get to it. Here's topic one. No, we're recording. No, it's checking. All right. We haven't talked in a few weeks, so it's about time to do our uh, bi-monthly Oilers check-in. Um, it's been, we've, we've, we've had some ups, we've had some downs. I don't believe we've had a show since there was a coaching change. So we have a lot to cover. I'll start with you, Elliot. Um, give me your like current state of the union when it comes to how the Oilers season has gone. We've, we've all kind of rode this roller coaster, um, pretty brutal start. And then it looked like they were about to turn a corner and then they kind of fell down again. And then they fired the coach and brought in a new guy. And all of a sudden they went on a three game win streak and then they fell down again. And now they've put two big wins together, a shutout win for Skinner. And then uh, the drubbing of the ducks uh, two nights ago, I guess, by this point. So for you um, summarize it for me and give me sort of where you're at with it all. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do a better summary job than you've just done. I mean, I think we're at a really interesting place recording tonight because tomorrow night they play again, the defending Stanley cup champs, Las Vegas, golden Knights team that knocked them out of the playoffs, the team that they're going to have to get by if they're going to win the Stanley cup, which is their goal this year. It's going to be a really interesting and good test to see where this team is at. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of confidence or, you know, a little bit of, uh, maybe a small amount of, confidence given just the stars have been kind of out like doesn't McDavid have nine points in two games 
Um, you know, dry saddles finally get actually hitting the puck when he shoots a one timer. So maybe there's some like actual, you know, things are kind of turning around for this team and, and they're showing what they, they should be rather than what they have been up until now. Um, but I guess, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the they're going to have to win games and against, especially against good teams and tomorrow night's going to be a good test for them. Uh, Braden, where would you uh, come down on where they're at? Well, I mean, it's nice that we don't have to be having another podcast where we're talking about the sky falling. Uh, it's nice to see, you know, that offensive game click, at least in the last game uh, against Anaheim. I don't know. I, I don't know which direction this is going to go. I'm hoping and I'm feeling optimistic that, you know, they've got their juju back and, and we're seeing depth scoring take place. We're seeing Skinner starting to return to form. I'm still incredibly sour. I know that the axe had to fall uh, in one direction. I'm just sour that it had to happen on on Jay Woodcroft. I don't see this new you know shift in uh, gameplay uh, just because we've got a new coach, um, Noblecock, uh, or whatever his name is. I don't actually. I don't know believe it's Noblecock. <laughs> I hope it is, and I, I intend to continue Chris to Noblock. call him that. In fact, um, I don't Noblock. see that being the the, the needle. Uh, that that's shifting is is what's happening behind the bench. Um, it's it's going to continue to be if these stars can continue to perform and and play to the caliber that we all expect them to. So let me uh, give you a hypothetical, Jordan. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. If the Oilers lose tomorrow night three two and play relatively well, but still lose, what does that say to you? Fire Ben Holland. Oh, I I, I think that you know it's funny. I actually have a very different perspective on what the last week looked like than I think some other people. And I know a couple people that may host another podcast on this network related to the Oilers who will be recording probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, but here's what I would say. Like a lot of people were really frustrated and disappointed with obviously how the wheels came off in Carolina, but I actually look at the second half of that game as the true test of what that team was. That was the first time all season that the Oilers didn't literally just crumble after a dreadful start. They they fought back, and I strongly believed going into the third that they were going to be the team to come out on top because they played better. They played their hockey. And then what was great about it was when they took that into the next game and had such a dominant performance, um, it demonstrated, I think, that they, as Braden said, like they are figuring things out uh, and going back to what has made them successful. So I think that the coaching is a is a piece of that. I actually think it probably is good to sometimes have something change. I don't necessarily think that was the only option, but I'm not in the GM's chair. I don't know what the other options were in the league. It's really probably hard to make a big impactful trade four weeks into a season because everybody else is still kind of figuring it out. And certainly no one wants to throw a team that was supposed to be that good a bone when they're struggling. Like you, you, you want to let them drown a little bit. So I think he probably was having a hard time finding a dance partner to make any kind of substantial trade. So the next option is that coaching move. I agree, Braden. It's like, it's not ideal because Jay Woodcroft, I think is a good coach, will be a good coach again in the NHL. And um, it, I don't think this is going to be like a Todd Nelson situation where like he doesn't get another shot. Cause I think he's proven oh, yeah. with the record oh, he had oh. here and his previous experience. But I also think oh, that I what I, and it's ironic because I actually don't, I feel like they made a lateral move in some ways in terms of like 
personality. You'd, you know, you would have thought they would have gone from Jay Woodcroft, who was clearly a very like player's first coach to maybe more of like a, like a, I don't know, like sort of a traditionalist or like a, and I'm not saying this person, but like when you see those kind of changes happen, you go from someone like Jay Woodcroft to like a Daryl Sutter, or like you go from that to like more of a, a traditional guy. I mean, frankly, the other way around, that's what tip it was versus Jay Woodcroft. So there that's, you could see the big difference here. I feel like these guys actually very similar. They're calm. They're collected. They're very articulate. They seem to be very clear about what they're talking about. I, I have yet to see like null block get, upset or really angry now maybe there just hasn't been that situation but he doesn't seem to be that kind he's not throwing chairs at the intermission so no i think jay, that though. if there's no way jay would no that's what i'm saying so it doesn't yeah. feel like there was a huge shift there it's just a different voice but yeah. to, to go back to your question elliot if the oilers were to lose tomorrow three two for me if they're in that hockey game and they're losing that way at least it shows me that the, the they're still fighting the dog where there didn't seem to be a couple weeks ago where they literally just looked like they were imploding on themselves and every single mistake was getting amplified and exacerbated and whatnot. Um, whereas now you're starting to see, uh, I think they're holding each other accountable better. Um, okay. Whether again, that's a coaching change that did that, or they're just starting to like figure it out. But the confidence seems to have come back to a team that I think really, really uh, thrives on confident energy. No <laughs> it, this is a team that's weak between the ears when they get discouraged and frustrated. And you can see that on all of them. Right. But when they start to figure it out, they st- it, it comes in waves. So that's, what's really positive. I think that's, what's helpful about the depth scoring too, is that those, those guys that you expect to be scoring all of those goals who aren't, they, they get excited by, you know, the depth actually becoming, something that's important, uh, an important piece instead of feeling like they just have to carry everything and the pressure just surrounds. So Elliot, I'll ask you the same question then. How do you feel if they lose tomorrow three, two? Um, I mean, I, you know, I think badly, like there's just, I know it's only 20 games in, like it would literally be the 21st game of the season. Um, but is it possible this early on to say that there's some must-win games? I mean, maybe, like, I think that's a divisional game uh, against someone that you're going to either have to get ahead of in the standings to win the division. And I, like I said earlier, beat, like, you know, I, I think you just have to win those games. If you're at home. There's just, they're five and five in their last 10. Like, I understand they turned it around. If, if you call five and five record in their last 10, turning it around, it's only even constitute being able to maybe even use those words because the first 10 were so horrific. So, uh, I think that they need to win. And I think if they lose 3-2, you know, sure, they put out a good effort. Maybe it's a last-minute goal. What if it's 3-2 in overtime and they get half a point? Then I'm fine with it. Then I'd be easy. Overtime, overtime's different. But while the Oilers are 5-5 five and five in the last 10, so too are the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, the nine. nice thing for the Oilers, at least right now, is that a lot of the teams who came out to a streaking you know, stre- like streaked ahead in the standings and got a whole bunch of points added up. There's they they have struggled. We saw Saturday night, I believe, all three of the teams that we're chasing in our division lost, which is at least a nice place to be. Um, the the stat that stands out to me, which I think is really interesting, because it, it it's just a good reminder of like how to gauge where we're at with all of this. Through 20 games, uh, the Oilers have 66 goals for 20 games last season, much better start. They only had t- they only had 60 
no, they, yeah, they only had 66 goals for as well. So we're dealing with the thing where like, we're not talking about a team that's all dramatically underperforming offensively in contrast to last season. Now, to be fair, in the last couple of games, they've put what eight up and five up. And like, there have been games where the scoring hasn't been there, but on the aggregate, you know, they are still figuring it out and they're coming together. The question is, will we see the slump that the Oilers traditionally have in December not happen now? Cause if they've got it out of the way, that would be positive. That would be good. Um, but I do think there are still some like fundamental struggles. This team is going to have to um, deal with. And again, the question is, does, does the remedy come from internal? Can they figure it out in the room or will they still have to be looking for some kind of um, personnel changes as we get deeper into the season? I, I, I certainly I'm not yet confident in our goaltending to the degree that I was, let's say last year, Skinner has had a very good couple games, but he's still letting in goals. He should like that second goal uh, against the ducks was a goal. You can't let in if you're on top of your game. The nice thing is at least unlike earlier in the year, he's rebounded from those mistakes when they've happened early and been able to sort of hold the team down. It's a bit like the old grant fear quote. It's like, you know, I, I know that as long as I've, even if I've let in five, as long as I don't let in the six, my team will outscore them. It's like, that's not a great place to be, but you are capable of that with the Edmonton Oilers. And when they're putting eight up, it's easy to forget that second goal. Um, okay. So then going to that point, Braden, is where, where would you make a change or make a, an adjustment? What's still not working for you? Well, the, I mean, you're bang on with the goaltending. The, the, it's been the weakest point. And that's just to say the five and a half million guy, dollar guy who's, barely squeaking by in the AHL, nobody's going to take them. I don't know how you're going to move away from that. And so to try to supplement with Pickard or, or, I mean, (laughs) there's, there's huge holes in the system when it comes to goaltending. And so to stop gap that with Skinner and Campbell, it's, I I don't know how you make that happen. Uh, What did you make of the story about Manny legacy? Did you hear about I like it. I like the idea of him going you know, out to, to, to make a difference, to try to find new perspective, to try to find something. But why was it such a struggle for Campbell to convince the organization to let him have that guy come help him? Clearly Dustin Schwartz is like a wet noodle and not capable of actually developing goaltending because he hasn't done in the last 10 years. It's funny you say that because if you're going to ask about change, like, you know, this to me continues to be an outstanding issue. I, you, you get talking to people on talk radio here in Edmonton and this idea keeps getting shut down, but I, I have serious, like I'm starting to think that this is actually a more fundamental problem with the actual goaltending, like coaching. When you say it gets shut down, what do you mean that who's shutting it down? Like Jason Greger shutting it down for what? Knows themselves or low tide or whoever else. For what? What are they saying? saying They're defending him? Goalie coach in the league. Under what metric? Uh, under he's been there forever. Under That's not a good enough metric. Oh, I agree, Jordan. I think all three of us agree. Find me one goaltender who's come up through our system who has been able to actually find success in this organization Stuart that didn't find be better success when they, left. when they yeah. left. Skinner's yeah. the only one, but he's got that's a one year sample size. And the beginning of this season, he's completely I've you know laid egg. I'm not here to defend Justin. I know you're not. Well, That's why I'm just I'm, con- but this I'm is confused also the fear by of who is defending at this point, right? I don't I do not want to see this uh, this organization in a Ben Scriven situation again. In what way? In bringing a guy like like it's somebody who's having a flash season right now in just to 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 make a change and then but you're telling me that that is you're locked in 
for for but another you're telling two, three, me that isn't years. connected to what we've just talked about like i do let's, I let's do use the examples you've got ben scrivens but i'll go even a step further more recently you've got cam talbot fantastic beginning to his career in, with the rangers comes in as a half decent first season one season with dustin schwartz there and we've destroyed the guy he leaves the team he's better you've got devin dubnik who played with us all the way through our system was That's able it. to at least make it to the nhl but the minute he leaves us he's an all-star in minnesota you've got, huh and a Vesna finalist. And a Vesna finalist. Like, I'm sorry, but I have yet to see. Like, if you're going to claim, not, and I appreciate neither of you are doing this, but I'm, this is, so this is beyond that. But if, but I, I was shocked, Elliot, that you said that because I would, I would have expected that the media in Edmonton, who is desperately hungry to throw everybody else under the bus, isn't identifying this is clearly. Uh, like who is he somebody's like nephew like what is this why is this guy been one of the longest serving members golden bears i think get out of here i'm sorry it doesn't work the the track record isn't there he's someone's nephew but uh i don't want to say anything he's gotta be somebody's nephew i just don't get it because it's like clearly the results aren't there but but okay so but then let's talk the only guy whose job is more secure at this point appears to be gullitson no, let's talk about this, though, because somebody needs to explain how Paul Coffey actually has credentials enough to be in a position where he's an assistant coach. He's on a the Hall of Fame defenseman. He's probably that. the Is second that... best defenseman of all time, and he's in the organization. He's only there, Braden, because Daryl Cates needs someone on the bench officially to actually be able to monitor what's so going on. So hire somebody who has phone. credentials that can I don't disagree with you either, this. but that that to me... He's but, an assistant we're coach. What is he? Now. He's running systems. Charlie Huddy. We're right. seeing like we we keep yeah, seeing. Yeah, the Oilers have had an old boys club problem for a very long time. You're absolutely right. Now they're not the only organization that's there, and it's interesting and kind of ironic when you look at a team like Vancouver, who's finally cleaned out the front office of all of their old boys club members, and they're finally finding success. So maybe there's a blueprint, but. I don't think that Paul Coffey coaching up the defenseman is really going to make a difference for this organization at this point. That's not the difference. Right. So hire a defensive. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I think they needed someone internal when they brought in some confidence. Yeah. It's a weird one. Those ones are odd. I don't, I don't know how Dustin Schwartz still has a job. That's all. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. And again, I don't know the guy. I have nothing against him personally. I just do not understand where you, how you can justify his resume. Having to buy out this jack campbell contract is the only way out other and than you can't blame game. maybe you can't blame dustin schwartz completely for jack campbell because the contract was the general manager's decision to sign and there's some question marks there but at the same time if this guy is such a guru then why has he never been able to figure this out for jack campbell like he should be turning yeah. goaltenders yeah. into like but the contract thing, that's, that's the only way you sign co- goalies in this league that that's that, that's the only way you get those. But then guys. going back to my question, why is there a, even the inkling of an argument? Every it, like at this point, if Jack Campbell wants to pay Manny Legacy to come personally tutor him, he's paying him out of pocket. There should be not even a moment's hesitation from that organization. Yeah, that's what you need. No problem. Yep. Let's see if it is. Let's see if it works. Yep. But if it's about, oh, we don't want him to step on our goalie coach's toes. Well, your goalie coach is an idiot. Fire it's clearly not working. The guy that is actually going to help. Yeah. All right. Um, any final thoughts there, Elliot, before we uh, turn our attention elsewhere? No. Do we leave it there? <laughs> Hey, podcast listeners, my name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker Podcast, and if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. 
It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast. Okay, we're going to talk. I can't believe we're doing this in November, but we're going to talk because it came up. We're going to talk about the NHL All-Star Game. It was announced today uh, that the NHL will go back to the um, captain draft, the player draft model for the All-Star Game in Toronto this year. This is obviously something that they previously did for a couple of years. If we all remember the very first year, Phil Kessel sat there alone and then I think was given like a Honda Civic as a consolation prize. It was a pretty lame thing for a guy who was a bit embarrassed to be the last person picked in the old schoolyard format. Um, but the NHL will be bringing back a player draft. So there'll be four captains. I think those will be the ones fans get to vote on um, because the NHL also after the, the what was this, John Scott situation doesn't want to let fans participate the way they used to so we'll have four captains and then i believe they're also going to assign each of those captains a celebrity uh captain to join them because that's always fun so you can all start making your uh, toronto related uh celebrity bingo cards as to who will be uh assigned to each captain to help pick a team of players that will then play in the three-on-three tournament traditional format I say traditional because it's been, what, three years? So that must make it a tradition. But they are also going to integrate a three-on-three women's um, game as part of the weekend. So that's kind of fun. A way to help showcase the new uh, Women's Professional League. And there's also apparently going to be some type of um, tribute to the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs, the last time they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, yeah. Oh, and also apparently they're going to announce for the first time, the NHL's alumni man of the year award. Lots of news coming out of Toronto for this all-star game. Um, yeah, as I said, they previously had done this, I believe three times, and then they, they went to the division setup that they've currently been working in. So I'll start with this. Uh, what were your thoughts or what are your thoughts, Elliot, on the format? Do you like it? Do you not like it? How do you come down on all-star games? Uh, well, I mean, I don't ever watch them, and we I think we made a point to saying that every year since they've been on. Um, you know, does the, the the Friday night draft excite me? No, not exactly. The only thing that I like about it is that it, there is some intrigue in it. I remember when they used to do it with the two teams, the last player that got picked won a car, and that was always a big deal. Um, so that'll be kind of interesting. I do think the four teams three on three is like a much more interesting format, though. Uh, so I, I'm glad they're keeping that, but I don't know, like, is this selling the game? Is this what I'm interested in? No, I'm, I'm glad they're highlighting women's hockey and being, giving a shout out to the professional league, but like, I'm not going to watch this and I'm not going to care. Uh, Braden, what if, what, what would make you care? Elliot, what, like, what would it be? What would it take for you to care about the all-star game? I think it would. I do like the baseball, like the baseball thing, where like the winner more gimmicks, like like home ice advantage. Uh, So actual impact in the game. They don't do that in baseball anymore, though, do they, Braden? Uh, I thought they did. I thought they. I I don't believe for the last two years. I believe the All Star Game is no longer dictated home field advantage. Check that for me, though. I do. I I actually need to check that. Can we pause because we have determined your check fact. You can check it. You check it while I'm talking but i'm well, curious. you asked me a question 
I know, and we're moving so, on from it now because you, so Rush, brought up fact. Elliot will fact check, and Elliot I'll tell you what check. I think. Please do. I think it's great. <clears throat> Why? Well, because it's fun. I do think people will tune in. I do think there will be some fun camaraderie around who gets picked, when they get picked, and how they get picked. I think Leon I? and Connor will be captains. So as an there's no way player, they're letting both of them be captains. I think it will be fun. There's just no like way they the did NHL with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Yeah, the but last when they were hosting they it. it, exactly. And they're not Connor hosting McDavid it. This is Toronto. Is You're gonna have Mitch Marner Toronto. as a captain. Yeah, Watch exactly. this. Well, Mitch is really taking uh, backseat this year. So Austin Matthews will for sure be this one. Is all about Toronto. Connor McDavid is from Toronto or from the greater. Yeah, Toronto. Connor will be a captain. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Connor will be a captain. Uh, I think it's fun, man. I don't see why not. I mean, last year it was it was a lot more. It was a lot less exciting to watch. I I like the fun that the NBA has with it. Um, so I'm excited about it. Okay, so here's what I wanted to do instead of this. I want to just really quickly do a little. First, I have Elliot. Did you did you uh, check it for me? Yeah, the All Star Game has no bearing on the regular on the playoffs anymore. It's the the team that wins the pennant with the best uh, record that gets home. Uh, and Brady, good. No, no, Great. I'm waiting for my apology. I have no apology. I will do this every single time you have some wild. And every time I'm right, you can apologize for not believing me. <laughs> Congratulations. No, I want you to say I'm sorry. I will not do that on air. All right. Uh, here's what I want to do instead. So I thought it'd be fun. I actually made a list. Uh, the All-Star game itself, whatever, it's a three-on-three tournament. It's it's kind of dumb. They took one hockey game, split it into three periods, made each period a three-on-three game, and it's not even really a thing. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's silly. Is that still happening, though? Like, yes, that is still happening. Okay, so they're just picking three players each? They're picking, they're picking four teams. Right, a four teams? probably yeah, four, four teams. Nine, nine yeah, four teams because you do two games and then the best the winners play in the third game. Third game. Gotcha. Here's what here's what I think is interesting. In the last couple of years, I will give the NHL credit for one thing, which is that at the last two games uh, in Vegas and then last year in Florida, they have tried to at least make the skills competition into a bit more of a TV show. And I mean that because the skills competition to begin with is a isn't like it is already kind of a farce it's like we're going to try to simulate some of the skills that these players use in a game in like carnival game style structures right it hit the four targets uh who's the fastest skater who can pass into a tiny little net on the other side and so the last two years if you the recall shot though don't forget is the home fine the hardest shot but that's no different than the guy with the hammer at the carnival hitting the thing it's carnival games um so, but what's been fun yeah. is in, in, in Vegas, they had, they took some of the events out into the strip. They had like the accuracy shooting in the Bellagio right. fountains. Right. And then last year, if you recall at the, um, on the beach there at South beach, they had, oh, or had they were in Florida. They, they did some, some anyway. So I'm sure that we will see that again. I'm not quite sure what they'll be. Cause we're in Toronto. They might take it out to like Nathan Phillips square or something Maybe and do something on the outdoor rink. Tower. Exactly. But what I wanted to, to do really quickly with the three of us was a brainstorm of what other tertiary hockey related ideas you could pitch for what you could add to the all-star game. Things that I are kind one. of out there and good one. TV. Go for it, Braden. You're hardest hit. What would you measure it on? Like a, like a crash test dummy? You would put one player out there standing still. Oh, Jesus. 
Well, censors have another. Yes, this would go well in the age of confessions. Absolutely blow them up. No, I would go for most accurate spear. You would watch that. We would all watch that. So that would go to Jacob Truba then, right, Elliot? Or would it be that would be like the two hand chop? And you just have to like spear a guy in different parts. (laughs) Okay, so I have one that's similar to that, but it's a little bit. I I think this actually could work. So, you know, in recent years, they've done like the, they've tried to make the shootout, the shootout relay thing a thing where like players are supposed to go do fancy Uh moves and stuff. Here's what I want to do though. You take, you've got what, four teams. So you got eight goalies there, right? They all get to go out there in street clothes or like normal in player equipment. And you put four non goalies in the nets. So, like, Connor has to go strap in the pet. Now, no one from the PA is letting them do this because they will get injured. But I think it'd be really entertaining if all of a sudden you had like Sidney Crosby are trying to stop Mark Andre Fleury on a breakaway. I agree. Um, So I think that would be entertaining. Uh, Alternatively, they have these celebrity captains. Why not strap them into goalie pads and have people take 100 mile an hour shots of these celebrities? Or, like, Um, you know, well, I mean, you could just do like a fight league. I was just gonna say, like, you could have like you know, last man standing. You could just have like line brawls. Actually, I think that's what the MLB should introduce too. It's like, like full on bench clearing brawls and see who comes out. So I had another one for you, and this was kind of out there. But you know, like cup stacking. Why don't they do like a puck stacking? Yeah. You know what okay. I mean? Like you give these and but they got to wear their player gloves and whoever can stack like the most pucks in 30 seconds. That would be fun. You know what's one I think we actually would actually be really cool, though, is okay. like a deflection. Ooh, that would be fun. Yeah. But you, like you had still a guy sit between the dots or maybe maybe right in front of the thing. Still shot. And then yeah. they had to do he had to deflect pucks into like that's good with targets. You still got to hit the targets. But with that's this, actually that's, that's a plausible one. So this doesn't meet our criteria. Like I told you to go off the wall. You're actually trying to make this something that'll happen. I, my first one was literally most accurate spear, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one probably won't happen. Here's another idea to, to jump off of my putting. I just want to put other people in goal equipment. I think that they I think they have to. We should have like Gary Batman in it. Well, I think there should be a celebrity game. The, oh, a celebrity game. Yeah, that could work. They have a softball game in the MLB. Throw, throw some skates onto some people who have no, never skated before. I think it would be a blast. That's fun. Um, I also think what would be fun is if you went and got some like, um, some like retired players to do some of these skills that they're still like. I still think Zdeno Chara could probably wire 100 plus mile an hour slap shot and they just have him come in as like the ringer you know what i mean al mckinnis did it in st louis when they had him there nice all right al mckinnis is like 70 years old that but that's exactly what you're just suggesting i know but i mean maybe slightly less retired right but no that's that's interesting like the net push you can just (laughs) how far someone could push like three nets that's fun what if you did like zamboni races Connor versus seven children or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, I think, think these are good. I think we should these pitch are these crazy. To the and y'all don't think that having okay. a draft is a good idea. Yeah. So here's what I'll say then. Uh, those are all good ideas. But let's for just a second play producer and actually I want like your actual prediction. What do you think will be the out of the box thing the league does do that's got like a Toronto vibrate and you kind of said cn tower but what would they actually do there oh god yeah like shoot it off into the 
That, that will kill someone. I think they go outdoors. I think they go to like Nathan Phillips Square and they, they do outdoors. something outdoor pond yeah, style because they can do it, they can do it in Canada. Thing. That's like yeah. a very. When is it usually March? You have to convince the condo board to allow Airbnbs in your condominium. Nice. That's, that, that's a good one. <laughs> but I could see them doing Who do you think at, should like, do that skill for each team? They could do something at the baseball field. The baseball field's being renovated. They can't be there. When when is it? January? This January? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. What are they gonna do? I don't know. Anyway, something to ponder on, uh, something to think about. And uh, for now, let's leave it there. That's topic two. Hey football fans, the ordinary podcasting network is very excited to welcome back for its second season, running down the clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. Okay, I really can't believe we're talking about this. Uh, baseball. Um, obviously, the biggest name right now in baseball is Shohei Ohtani, uh, the two-way superstar out of, uh, uh, what is it, L.A.? Uh, Anaheim. Is it Anaheim? What do they call them? The yeah. L.A. Dodger, the L.A. Yeah. Angels? Angels? The Anaheim, the California Angels? What are they now? The Los Angeles Angels. Well, they, they have changed in, several times. Am I they wrong? Play in, they still play in Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah, and at one point they were the California Angels, right? You got like it. in the movie with and, with uh, Angels in the Outfield. Yep. Christopher Lloyd. Joseph Joseph Gordon Lovett. Love it. Love it. Love it. Young young whippersnapper. Danny I wonder Gordon. whatever happened to him when he grew up. Um, I'm joking. I know he had a great career. He was in Inception and still is uh, having a great career. Things. No, it's over. His career's yeah, well, over. There was a strike. Google so. that one. Check that one out. He's done. It's over. He's never going to play hockey again. Nobody's going to listen to this podcast ever again. I'm not sure anyone does, frankly. <laughs> um, all right. Shohei Otani obviously is a free agent, and it's a big deal because, as I said, he's the biggest thing in baseball. He can pitch. He can hit. And, boy, is he good looking. And the he sells a good he sells a mean baseball card. Um so there's been some rumors, obviously, and some some traction on the teams that are interested. There was a report today that the Dodgers, the Angels, and the Blue Jays are all three front runners to secure his um, services. But I think what's interesting about it is his agent also came out and said that they wanted it to make it very clear that if visits between Otani and a team are reported publicly, it will be held against that team. So the circles will be tiny and tight. Those are his exact words. Uh, so I guess the question now, Braden, is should we expect Shohei Otani to be signing somewhere other than the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, or the Angels, considering it's been leaked? Well, I don't think he's going to be going back to the, the Angels, for one. Two, I think the media has to comment on who's interested and who's involved. And if if any of the 32 teams in the league are not interested in Shohei Tani, they're crazy. This guy is revolutionary. He will change the face of a franchise. The, the, it's crazy. He has to go somewhere. So <laughs> I, I think at this point... Thank uh, you. That was that's some deep uh, and meaningful insight. He has to go somewhere. He has to go somewhere. Elliot, Every team who gets involved. Can I confirm with you, Elliot? Does he have to go somewhere? Yeah, I'm quite certain he. You know, if he wants to continue his career, I'm pretty certain he'll going to have to go somewhere. Fun sure. fact about Shohei Otani next year: he will not be pitching. Right. I think you previewed this, didn't you? Earlier this season, you said it was about time he picked what to do because he was going to get hurt. No. Well, maybe I did. I. I think he should 
pick to do both, but he is hurt and needs to recover. Right. So instead, he's just going to play baseball. He's just going to swing the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most players, when they're injured, they don't do that. No, no. But this is Shohei Otani, and he has to play somewhere. And I think he has a very, very, very good chance of going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, you're saying that because you cheer for that team, or you actually think it's a fit that works? And I would like you to tell me why. Show your work. I actually do think it's a really good fit. This is uh, a huge market. And he's already indicated bigger than LA. I actually think it's bigger than LA. You have the entire country behind a guy who's already international. You would be bring it's a it's a huge it's a huge huge opportunity for an international player. Elliot, help me here. Elliot, help me here. You know, uh, it's it's just not possible because he is clearly going to the much beloved San Diego Padres. Oh God. (laughs) <laughs> who have no money they have no money they have to get rid of they have no money they got tons of money where the toronto blue jays are primed for a guy like this to come into their market and actually make a difference i mean every time we go down this road with the blue jays and some kind of all-star it never pans out all they ever do is lose all-stars they train people up make them great and then they go other places and win world series that's the, that's and i just have zero faith that the Blue Jays are even, even, even had a chance before they leaked it. Uh, he's going to end up playing for the Dodgers. Like we all know this. It's just that's always I how. I think he's already indicated he doesn't want to. And the Yankees, I don't think will happen either. I really don't think those two teams so are in it. Before. What I, what blows my mind is this though. Like I don't understand the argument, Braden, here that he wants to come to the Blue Jays because it's a huge market. We're talking about the Los well, Angeles Dodgers, he, who are probably one of the top three most valuable franchises in all of professional sport, behind like the Cowboys and the Yankees. But we're talking also about like you just said, it's a huge market. The state of California has more people in it than the entire country of Canada. The population of yeah, California right those, now is 39 how those, million. How many the population of Canada are, are is 38. Fans. I don't know, but I'm I'm sure what, what a substantial the number of them are Dodgers what, fans. What happened to the Raptors when Kawhi Leonard showed up? Sure, but that had nothing to do. That has nothing to do with the market. That had to do it, with the it, fact that it created they made a, a great trade. They made a great uh, uh, trade. I'm not saying the Blue Jays shouldn't want him, and I'm not saying it wouldn't be a, an amazing thing for the Blue Jays. I'm flick, I'm flipping it around the other way. You have to tell me what the pitch to Shohei Otani is other than Canada will really like you. I don't think this he gives a, a this shit. This is a contending team. This is a contending team. You have a young team that is ready to win right it's now. It's a more contending team than the LA Dodgers who have been to the World Series, what, three of the last four years? You can't argue that. You can't. What? No, I mean, I don't, I, I don't hate, I, I think you're under us. Like, yeah. Okay. California is, you know, has more people than the entire country of Canada, but I think he will captivate a nation in a way that you sure. can't that, and that has value for him in a way that you just can't replicate in uh, any other MLB city. That being just because it's nationwide, it'll be a crazy thing. The prime minister will be talking about it for gosh sakes. That being said, it never I don't think that's in the pitch. It never happens to Toronto. The Blue Jays always get screwed in this. And I don't know, like, I don't even want to get my hopes up that this could happen because it always falls apart for one reason or another. I think, I think he I think he's got his eyes on a lot of the players that the Blue Jays have right now. Like I think Vladdy is a huge sell for him. I think Bichette is a really big sell for him. I mean, look, I, I I want it to happen. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to say that I I Prove don't it. think it would show be you, great. Show your work. 
Well, I think I, I mean, as a as a Canadian sports fan, I think it would be awesome. I agree with you for all of the reasons you've given. I just don't know how many of those are actually like the kind of incentives that are going to convince a player of his caliber. He wants one thing. He wants to go to a competitive, a competitive contending team and be able to win a world series. That's what he wants. Now, if you can convince me the blue Jays have that, that's fine. All I have as a casual baseball fan, who's seen it from the outside is that a team that has yet to win a playoff series since their last core left, what, like almost now 10 years ago, at least six or seven years ago. Uh, yes, they have a lot of promising young players. Yes, they have a lot of potential. And yes, they've had pretty decent regular seasons. But again, a team that only made the wild card what, last year, was it the year before the same thing? Like a team that isn't hasn't turned the corner yet. And yes, could Shohei Otani be the difference maker? Maybe. But I don't think he wants oh, no, to no. be. No, that's not a maybe. That That's like, in, that's it indefinitely. Maybe I mean he's only going to be he's only going to be swinging the bat right now. And he's that not is pitching. the missing piece that the Toronto Blue Jays right. continue to try to find. So I I okay so I, again I go back to what I said before. Do I think it would be great if he did it? Yes. I'm still not sure. I see uh, the math working for him, and I would be curious to be what the key factors are for him. If the Dodgers are actually a conversation, I think that that makes a lot more sense from a baseball perspective, but. But again, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, but I, I mean, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked either way. I guess if he if he does, I'll be I'll be very impressed. And if it isn't with if it's with somebody other than those three teams, I mean, I don't know. Who else do you think is in the conversation? Brady, you well, always say everybody Rangers, should be. But who Rangers. has a legitimate chance to get him? The Rangers. Yeah, the, the the reigning champions. Absolutely, Texas Rangers will be big on him. Uh, I do think the Padres will be making a big push as well for him. Um, and yeah, like the Dodgers for sure, the Yankees, the Cubs, those 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 kinds of markets that they're competing. They're in the same place that the Blue Jays are. They're right on the fringe of making something big happen. The Rangers made it happen this year, and they're looking to continue to do it. So, yeah, I mean, literally every team in the league should be. I what I'm trying to say is, I don't think many baseball moves are going to happen in the free off season until that that piece happens. So I did do some research here. I have it in front of me if you want to see my work, but here's an interesting one for you. Do you think either of you can guess the top five teams ranked in the major league baseball for average attendance for the last season without Googling it for last season, last season, which are the five ballparks who turned out the most fans on average per game at Co Park? Uh, well, sir, I, what is that? Padres? San, San Diego. So you uh, think they're number one? I don't know. No, but I, they're up there last okay. year. Okay. Last year? I want to I wanna say Baltimore is up there last year. No, they are not. Wow. That's surprising. But San Diego, okay. right? The Padres are number three on that list. Yeah, I figured. They, they averaged 40,000 fans per game. Over 81 okay, so home games. They would games. be one. Uh, the Yankees? The Yankees are number two. Wow. So Minnesota. The twins are not in the top 20. Wow. Wow. So it doesn't really matter if, if they're. The Blue Jays are number eight on this list. They I had 37,000 say... on average. All right. Give me a sec here. The Phillies. Guys, I, 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 I have a lot of respect for both of you. But why would I bring this up if it didn't serve my point? The Dodgers. 
Thank you. The Dodgers are number one at 47. There are 7,000 clear of the Yankees. Hey, well, who are the other two? Place. The Dodgers Atlanta. are going to be the next pick. Atlanta. The yeah. Cardinals Ooh, are number four, wow. and the Braves are number five. Yeah. yeah, Atlanta for sure. And the Braves are actually only like 100 more than the Phillies, who are at six. And then the Astros and then the Blue Jays. So the Blue Jays are in there. And then the top 10 is the Cubs and the Red Sox. So again, I'm just pointing out if, if, if it's about like, there's no bigger market for baseball well, other than New York, than than LA for what he's going to have endorsement course, and all this. Of course, of course. Uh, is the is best not... baseball decision for him to go to Toronto. Yes. And that's the question he has to answer. Well, of course, I think I will answer it for him. And it is a yes. A resounding Canadian, yes. It's going to be in the brown and the beige. The yellow? The yellow. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess at which ballpark had the worst attendance? Yes. I think it was probably Colorado or Miami. Or Seattle. Guys, no, Seattle's got they're go. literally leaving because their attendance was so bad. Oakland, yeah, Oakland, Oakland. 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about 10, that. 10,000. The Marlins were right behind them at 14. Yeah, yeah see, yeah. I, yeah. Oof, that's rough. The Orioles are 22. I was really well, good at this game. I picked two of the top five. You and did very second. well. Braden, you were not good at this game. I'm good at predicting where Otani's going. And- hey, I, I hope for your sake and for all Blue Jay fans out there listening that uh, Shohei Otani is a Blue Jay by the end of the Bring month. Bring it on! All right, that's our little show for this week. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. On behalf of Elliot and Braden, I will thank you for your uh, patronage, for your ears. Please go subscribe. Check out our website if you haven't already, ordinarypodcasts.com. Hey, it's a busy week. We've got the Motherpucker podcast coming at you at some point this week, as well as tomorrow, uh, the Pit Stop Podcast's final episode of the season, the 2023 season, mercifully is over. Max Verstappen won again and it is finally over. Hopefully there's some more competition for him next year. Um, And uh, so we'll have that for you. We'll do a full recap. Tyler and myself will have that for you again on Thursday. We have running down the clock, which is well into its um, midway part of the NFL season. Lots of good football conversations there, as well as ellipses thinking, which is also into its third season. Check that out on Fridays. Um, All of that information, as I said, is at our website, ordinarypodcast.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. That was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler-Coltman and Braden Dyler-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue 
which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.